Roger Williams University is hosting a crisis management seminar on May 3rd at their Providence campus. Crises, whether a natural disaster, cyber attack, or financial instability, can have severe repercussions if not handled properly. This is where crisis management plays a pivotal role. Join Roger Williams' MBA students and expert speakers to learn how to prepare for the unexpected. The program is totally free and open to the public. You can register online at rwu.edu slash events slash crisis management symposium. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome into B-Town's continuing coverage of the impact of COVID-19. Here in Rhode Island, I'm Bill Bartholomew. On this episode, assessing Rhode Island's music industry in the wake of COVID-19 and the shutdown with Rhode Island-based music journalist Rob Duguay. Were you surprised at all by the governor's announcement that large-scale events this summer are going to have to be canceled? And what does that mean for the trickle-down effect, the smaller-scale events that take place corresponding with those larger-scale events? In all honesty, I kind of saw it coming at the end of March. Um... Like I'm like for people that don't didn't, didn't know at the end of March, one big thing with a lot of people that were talking about was WrestleMania happening um, to a close audience, and people were debating for like a few days whether it was a good idea or a bad idea or not. And one guy I listen to a lot is Danny Picard, who's a podcaster. He's a sports journalist um, out of Boston, and pretty much he was he used this as, as WrestleMania as a signal. It was like, oh, maybe this is going to take a lot longer than expected. And maybe we're not gonna have, we're gonna have to wait for a while for this whole virus clear to to, to pass over us so for us to be done with this. Um, so around that time, I kind of saw this coming, and it's not surprising. It's depressing. It's a bummer. Um, the festival season is something I look forward to every year. I look I love going down to Newport for the Folk Fest and Jazz Festival. Um, I love going to Levitate and Marshfield. They have rescheduled to next year already. Um, and Boston Calling, which already got canceled for in, in May. Um, so I was looking forward to all of those. Um, Brother and Roots as well in Charlestown. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's not like surprising. It's more like, you know, it's more like going to a doctor's office and you're getting a shot that you know is going to help you out, but you really don't want it, but you take it anyways. You know, you kind of expected it, but you don't like it, but you, have, you know it's for the best. It's an interesting analogy. No, it, it is obviously for the best. Look, I mean, nobody is satisfied with the notion that there's not going to be a folk festival this year. There's not going to be, look, there's some people who that don't even couldn't care less about the Newport folk festival. I mean, it is probably my favorite weekend of live music of the year, but there are plenty of people who they're devastated about the Washington County fair being canceled. A lot of people, the Bristol 4th of July parade, Whatever it is, the Charlestown Even Revival Season. Fest at dusk. Um, revival Fest at dusk. July. A lot of people are proud people. Always look for, a lot of bands I know always look forward to being part of it. Rick, who owns Dusk, always was putting that whole thing together, and now it's not going to happen most likely because of the because of the rules put out by the governor. So, yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see if anyone tries to pull off any kind of renegade festival. Look, I asked the governor. I said, "Look, I was at this protest on Saturday. There were ninety three protesters plus." that I counted anyway, plus media, police, et cetera. No one did anything. No one broke it up. No one was really wearing masks or anything like that. So what's the enforcement look like? Are you really going to, if you put on an event at the same time, who in their right mind would take that kind of risk and, and also put themselves under such scrutiny with their business or their operation. Now you promote shows. I think one of the critical parts of Newport folk festival and the, you know, the festival season writ large in Newport is 
the after parties, the unofficial shows that really give local Rhode Island-based and touring artists on a smaller scale um, the opportunity to perform alongside those national um, acts and yeah. or the crowd that kind of comes to Newport that's naturally a music-loving crowd. What do you think that being pulled away, which a lot of those shows sometimes have a much less, uh, much smaller capacity, what does that do to the music scene in Rhode Island from an economic standpoint from your perspective? Well, I mean, you have artists losing money. You have bands and musicians, a lot of them are full-time losing money because of this. Um, and either like, you know, either they applied through the assistance programs that we have available in the state for artists, like that you mentioned a few weeks ago that you posted about. Um, but that's pretty much what it is. Like without, with, with venues closing down and with no shows happening, it's money out of people's pockets that depend on these for a living. Um, so that's my impression of that. Um, for like the full fest after parties that, and jazz fest as well, it's definitely an oppor- a missed opportunity for people who travel to these festivals to experience a place like Newport on a summer weekend where it's a lot of fun. It's a lot. It's a, it's a really, really fun time. And you're bound to make a few friends. I always do when I'm in Newport during the festivals. Um, and so, um, so, but I think it's mostly constant, mostly it's a, it's a bigger issue is it's money out of people's pockets we know it's it's we know it's for the best, but at the end of the day, we all have to pay our bills. So, how are these musicians and venues going to pay the the bills that they have coming their way when they don't have any way to pay them off right now? I guess the other, you know, just moving outside of even the context of the event cancellations, this is looking like a wash for 2020 to have. I mean, can you imagine an event of any scale or scope happening in in you know, the summer or even in the autumn at this point. And no, I honestly don't think, I, I honestly don't see anything happening until like December or January of next year. Um, I know it's so depressing to say it. it's so depressing to say it. Um, and it hurts to say it, but when you look at a realistic, realistic point of view, they're saying like all the doctors have said that we might not have a vaccine by the beginning of next year. Right. Like Fauci said it, all these people have said it. So going by that, you're looking at, you know, December or January. So the end of the year. So this whole year is wasted. This whole year is to be spent indoors for all of us talking to each other on Zoom conferences and watching live streams. Um, which, you know, it's 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 good. It's entertaining. I've been I've been covering live streams ever since the uh, pandemic hit the United States and everything closed down. Um, but um by the same time it's like, man, like this whole year's a wash because for our own safety you know, it's like, we don't want to get sick. You know, we have to stay indoors to be safe. Let's talk about the venues because it's a hard conversation to have. And we've, we've, we've got to be frank, I guess, about it. Do you think that, you know, it's one thing to have a restaurant and look, if you have a restaurant with a capacity of 53 people and that's reduced to 19, uh, based on some kind of new guidelines, that's going to be tough enough to make ends meet a music venue. Can Rhode Island's music venue community survive this? Will we have the music venue community that we are we, we had in January when we come out of this? Do you see a pathway forward, or are we going to look at mass? We looking at mass closures? I don't think we're looking at mass closures. I'm going to be optimistic about this. Um, I would say, like for example, like we have a limit on we're going to have a limit on gatherings eventually. So, say like you look at a place like the Parlor in Providence or dusk in Providence or even poor judgment in Newport or the news cafe in Pawtucket. Um, all these places, the dusk, the dusk in a parlor have a hundred capacity limit. 
um, and um, poor judgment and News Cafe are less than those. Now, are you going to have somebody at the door, like, clicking a number to see how many people they can allow in if you have that limit set? And if, say, if you, say you can only allow 50 people into a show, you're also counting the employees at the bar. You're also counting the, the bands that are playing. So give or take, you're looking at, like, 30 people that can actually attend a show. Um, now, to make, you know, make sure the bands make it they're worth their buck, especially if some of them have a guarantee, you're going to have to raise the ticket prices up. So you might have you might you might pay fifteen bucks to just see a local show, if if on a restriction, you know. So you have so I think I I, I do have hope that the venues um, will still exist post pandemic. I do think that um, it's going to take a long time until like you know so you have to look at also the psychology of people right now. Like are people say say even after the pandemic's over, you're still have people that are very wary about going out. Because they, in their mind, will think, "Oh, maybe it's still around, and maybe someone had made a mistake in, in their in their analysis of this whole thing, where it still might be around. I still might get sick." You know, like it's, there's a lot of variables at play here. But I think at the end of the day, I think we'll still see some venues still sticking around. We're speaking with Rob Duguay. He's a music journalist and concert promoter based here in Providence. He, he contributes to the Providence Journal and many other. Uh, local and national outlets discussing the impact that COVID-19 is going to have on Rhode Island's music community. And again, kind of differentiating between the large scale events and look, Newport folk festival, they're not sitting on a, a lot of people probably have the, the impression that the folk festival or, or rhythm and roots, they're sitting on piles of cash. It's mechanically difficult to produce this festival for another year without, you know, based on just the numbers but, yeah. you know, you look at the smaller venues. I'm thinking Newport now. You shut down Newport. It's tough to imagine a pathway forward for some of the places that have, you know, capacities in the 200 or 300 range if they can only have 15 people inside the place. Um, so that's really where people are going to have to get creative. I know some people have mentioned to me, hey, why don't we do some car shows, you know, some some drive-in movie theater type shows in places. But that doesn't do much for a venue that doesn't have that kind of outdoor space. So we're going to have to see the creativity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, you mentioned Newport, Newport's economy is based off tourism. So they're hurting right now more than probably anywhere else in Rhode Island because of how much they depend on tourism coming through their town during this type of year and throughout the summer. Um, So you also have that going on as well. But I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of things change. Um, at the end of this, I, I, I it, realistically and logically, you're going to see a lot of things change. But I do think that, I mean, for example, like if you there's a fun, there's a fundraiser going on for the parlor in Providence right now that's nearing the ten grand mark that helped keep the place in business during this. And there's a lot of other places, like for example, right now as we talk, there's a fundraiser going on for the Galactic Theater in Warren, Dave Potts' place. Um, with a bunch of local musicians playing on a live stream that's raising money, so so they can have. So they can have a um, a takeout window to help make ends meet. And if you know Dave, like I know Dave, he's going to have the craziest food menu you ever seen in your life, and everything's going to be delicious. Yeah, you'll um, have people driving from all over the state to, to be there just for, for one to support it, but then two because it'll be a quality product. Absolutely. So you have like so I think you're going to see a lot more improvising going on over the next few months, but you also have a lot of people coming together right now to help keep these places in business. And um, which is very inspiring and very, it's a positive thing to see when you can easily go outside and see how neg- how depressing things are or just look at your window to be safer. 
Um, but um, that, that's my whole feelings on it. Like, I do think we're going to have live music come back to Rhode Island again. Um, I do think, actually, if you look at the numbers, our numbers are pretty low compared to a lot of the country, a lot of the rest of the country, which is pretty remarkable since we're like smack dab in between Boston and New York City. Um, so, you know, you got to look at that. And that might bring us back closer, closer to where we want to be as a society other than, other than other places around the country because of our numbers are so low. Travis right? South County, you know what I mean? You think about the ocean mist and even some of the smaller scale restaurants, pump house, pump house exactly. Yeah. You know, that is, you know, you're taking a, such a large portion of the, 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 the audience that fuels the bottom line of these types of places away. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a tough model, man. And, you know, you don't hear it talked about a lot. Can you kind of give an assessment? Because we hear all the time about Providence is the creative capital and, you know, we're this creative state and we've got all this, that, and the other, all these great artists. We obviously do have many uh, national artists who have risen from here. But do you feel like music is being taken seriously in the equation, you know, when it comes to, to, you know, we hear a lot about, and again, this isn't to say that anything is, should be considered less, but restaurants and other industries, are you satisfied that the music industry in Rhode Island is going to be taken seriously by the administration in terms of dollars that are dealt out in strategy going forward? I think they should, I mean, they should be right. I mean, we've, they've been for the past few years, you, they've been used, they've used our music scene and our arts community and our creative people as like ways for people to move here and get people to come here and use it for attracting business. I mean, if you look at the way Alorza has dealt with things in Providence, he has paid artists money to give artwork to have it posted on our, at City Hall and it'd be used for their art as promotional tools for marketing, whatever, for the city. So, so they should. I mean, it would be awfully hypocritical, I think, if they didn't. Um, because again, we're like arts and music is a big part of the lifeblood in Rhode Island. Um, it can't really be denied. I mean, for our small state, it's remarkable how many venues we've had and how many musicians and how many bands we do have just who just call Rhode Island home. It's yeah. pretty amazing. You know what it is too. It's like it's just that that whole kind of consistent. Being a musician myself, you know, you, you do feel like, um, you know, you think about the progression of real estate. For me, living in Brooklyn, you know, it's sort of like, all right, let's send in the artist into a loft building that is, you know, run down, is barely livable. Let's pile them in there and then let's, quote unquote, clear the neighborhood so we can come in and develop it. And then we'll see you later, folks. That's what also happened in Newport. It's funny. It's actually really embarrassing for the city. Um, how little grasp they have on the Airbnb explosion in Newport. And we're seeing it play out here where we've got Airbnbs that are refusing to give people refunds for, you know, their, the, the purchases they've made for the Newport Folk Festival. I know there's terms and conditions that you sign, but you know what I mean? It's, it's sort of like that. All right, let's use the artists to create a safe space so that, you know, for by and large, white people will come in and gentrify or occupy a particular neighborhood and then get rid of the artists, you know, just like, yeah, in, in tandem with get rid of the people who probably grew up in that neighborhood uh, of, of any particular race or background. Um, you know, artists have been routinely thrown into that same category and there's not been, there's usually not a lot of advocacy. And in fact, it's really caused almost a near collapse of Newport's art scene, frankly, your take on that. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I remember when, like, when you, when you and Gabby, um, Silver Teeth was based there, and I was really kind of like impressed by how, you know, there are so many people who are working hard to really make it a thing, to really make Newport local music a thing, and then it kind of like fell apart, like you said, like you know, like Jimmy Saloon, I think was a big hit. Um, when you have that place getting sold for condos, it's like, oh, here we go again. You know, you always hear about this in major cities like New York City and Boston, and now it hits Newport. Um, and you won't want to see that in Providence, even though people have always been warned, oh, it's going to come here eventually this way. I don't want to believe that. I want to believe that our city tastes, like cares enough about our venues and our musicians and our entertainment and our nightlife that we won't let places close down and get bought out by developers, you know, like, 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 you know, like old, like the old Lupo's was on Washington street and the old living room was. Um, so, so that, you know, I mean, again, but you know, I mean, it's, it's a pandemic. We're talking about something that's going on all over the country. I mean, if you look at people that live in Austin, people have always talked about for the past 10 years, especially how much Austin has changed since when they moved there. Um, Brooklyn in the 2000s, you lived over there during that time. It changed a lot, and it keeps on changing. That's what people people are saying that St. Mark's in New York City is dead because of this whole thing. And that was such a neighborhood that was like, if you were in New York City, you wanted to go to St. Mark's to see all the cool shops. Now all the shops are gone. So I hopefully, you know, like hopefully, hopefully that trend is bucked. Maybe it might, maybe it might stop because of the coronavirus. Who knows? Wow, um, that's so interesting, right? That that there's there are silver linings in this process you know, that we're learning about. And this could be one of them that people say, you know what, community, yes. Again, this isn't to say that if you have an Airbnb operation that you're fundamentally an evil person or anything like that. But how does that fit into the community? And what does a community really need to thrive? Because the thing is, you know, if you look at a place like Brooklyn or Newport right now, when you suck so much of the oxygen out, the value of that Airbnb other than the geography, obviously, is is significantly reduced as well. So it almost backfires. I've got one more question for you, Rob. This comes from Mary. Privately owned beach clubs, Bailey's and Newport, Bonnet Shores and Narragansett. Absolutely. You know, and that kind of ties into weddings, private events. You know, that's another, you know, frankly, as a musician myself, you know, you, you, you play your gigs, you know, you, you, you I guess you, you get a couple of band camp downloads, maybe you license a few songs, but those private events in the summertime, I mean, that's where the money's coming from if there is any. So for those to be shut down, when we hear about weddings and when we hear about, frankly, funerals that aren't taking place, um, you know, again, you're not trying to make money off of a funeral fundamentally, yeah. but, you know, you do. I mean, those are the opportunities that, um, you know, are now being removed as well. What does that say? The private sector gigs that have disappeared. Um, I think those will come back because people are going to get married and people are going to still pass away. <laughs> but, but it's all about who has the money to pay for these expenses so you have extra expenses. Um, I have friends right now, like, you know, I have friends right now, Hi Katie and Brendan Mor- Bjornis Morano, um, great example. Um, there, um, Katie is a photographer who does wedding photography. And Brendan, part of me, what he makes his living at is being a wedding DJ. Um, and his gigs pay like thousands of dollars. Like, it's crazy how much to get paid for these. They go into a wedding. So I think it's all about, I think a lot of it goes into post pandemic. Who's going to have these extra money to the extra, the extra go to spend on these other expenses that go into these, you know, these private events of weddings and funerals and other things um, to complete the whole, you know, I guess spectrum of the event. Um, so that's, that's my feelings on that. Um, you know, it's all up to, it's all depends on who has the money to spend on it after it's all this is over. 
we're going to see. One thing that won't go anywhere is storytelling and, and art and music. That's been there forever. That's going to be there no matter what. That doesn't fundamentally depend on any kind of economic system whatsoever. I mean, that just d- d- depends on life. Um, and so, Rob, I just want to say thank you as, uh, you know, honestly, you, you are an outstanding journalist in this community. And, you know, we see so many cuts in the media. Obviously, KMAC today being let go, really one of the best college basketball writers in the world based here at the Providence Journal for 30 years. He's let go today by the Providence Journal. I mean, that's really discouraging and sad. I just want to say thanks for the amazing coverage that you've provided. And if you want to, in the last 30 seconds here or so, kind of point people towards the playlist of Rhode Island musicians that you've put together for for the Providence Journal. Yeah, you can just Google it on Providence Journal's website. Um, Pretty much it's a PVD playlist that has Sage Francis right right on the front page of it. Um, and I just put it together because it was something that, you know, like it's tough to write. You can't really write about live music hat with this because all the shows are closed down. So I figured it'd be something to have people involved where like, you know, like what, what am I been doing a lot during quarantine? I'm listening to a lot of new music. I'm getting a lot of stuff in my emails. So I might as well show people what's going on in their backyard. Um, through news. Mostly I concentrated mostly on newer stuff, but there's some classes in there. Um, there's some classics, but uh, yeah, but um, mostly newer stuff has been coming out over the past couple of years that people should check out. Rob Duguay, he's a prolific music writer based here in Rhode Island. He writes for the Providence Journal. He writes for several national publications, and you can find him on Facebook or any social media. Track him down, and he's going to be putting on shows when we come back. I don't know where, I don't know when, but you know, I love playing the shows that you've booked. We, we, you know, Silver Teeth, myself, Solo. Over the years, you've been great to us, and I appreciate you coming on tonight here on the live stream. And oh, but real ten second question: live streaming is this going to burn out? Are people going to get sick of this by the time we hit summer? Is this a temporary thing that all these live streams are happening? I think it's going to happen through, through the end of the pandemic. I think you're going to have a lot more. I think this where the brainstorming is going to come to light um, for music and musicians coming together. You might see some collaborations through Zoom. Um, you know, you might see some really cool stuff. For example, like Rizzo from the Wu Tang Clan did did a uh, DJ mixing battle with DJ Premier from Gangstar, and it was the coolest stuff ever. Um, like you have Bruce Springsteen. You, it's, you, the way way the, like you, you see like superstars like Springsteen. And local musicians from your backyard doing these live streaming. I think there's a really cool dynamic with that. Um, and it's been really cool to cover so far. It's a lot of really interesting stuff. Like this weekend, there's a big thing called Home is Where the Art Is, where it, the, the, um, it benefits the Art Association of Cape Cod. Um, and they have like Will Daly in it, G-Lo and Special Sauce, and a bunch of other musicians involved, Crooked Coast from, from Cape Cod. Um, and it's been really cool. Check that out this weekend if you can. Well, I think there's a lot more brainstorming when it comes to live streaming for the time being, where people are going to put out a lot more unique events. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. For updates on COVID-19's impact here in Rhode Island, plus a back catalog of nearly 200 episodes featuring some of your favorite Rhode Island media personalities, artists, and politicos, head over to ripodcast.com or search Bartholomew Town on your favorite podcast app.